right, man, let's give it up for our worship team. Didn't they do a great job? I mean, that was so good. I, I love it when I get up to preach and I'm like, oh, we're done? Like, man, I could have I sang a little bit more and that was just so good. Let's give it up one more time for our worship team. Such a powerful way to usher us into the throne of grace, man. Uh, I want to welcome you to our second week in this new series that we started, started last week, The Life of Moses. Uh, if you're just stepping in for the first time or you're joining us online, my name is Alex Velarde. I'm one of the, the pastors here. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. Second book in the Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, most of the verses will be on the screen, so don't, don't worry. But we do want you to follow along. Um, there's a, a free app that you can download, version app, and it's an app that I use on a, on a daily basis, and I want to encourage you to download it if you don't have it. So we're in Exodus chapter 3, uh, verse 1, and we're gonna, it's going to take me a little bit of time, just giving you a fair warning. It's going to take me a little bit of time to get there, but just be patient with me. Um, really looking forward to, um, to getting into this passage today, but I want to set it up the right way, Okay. And, uh, and I also realize that when you do a series, people, um, they show up, and maybe they weren't here the, the week before or whatnot, and so I want to do a little bit of a recap, just in case some, some of you are just tuning in for the first time. So last week, we began in Exodus chapter 2, and this series, it's all about the life of Moses, not just the event, not the events of what happens in the Exodus when the people of Israel left the Egyptians and they're looking for freedom and all of that. But this series is specifically about the life, the person of Moses. Okay, so I just want to make sure that I, that all the expectations are um, that you you have the right expectations. So what we said yet uh, last week was that Moses Moses was running from Egypt. He killed one of the Egyptian men. Okay, now I think that he had something in his heart about this. This whole idea of justice or injustice, you could say. And he sees how hard the Hebrew people were working. And so he takes it out on, a, on an Egyptian man and he kills him. And so we see him, last week we see him running for his life. He's, of course, Pharaoh is after him. Pharaoh is the most powerful man in the land. He's, Moses is the most wanted man now. Um, but I think he was running more than for his own life. I think he's, he was running in search for identity. I think he was running into the desert. Um, he was running away from his failures. He was r- running in search of a, a, maybe a new meaning for life. You see, Moses was born in between two worlds. He was born uh, a, as a Hebrew boy, but he was raised by the Egyptians. And I believe that for the longest time, um, he dealt with this identity crisis, and if you want to listen to the message, go back and, and listen to it, and you'll get you know the whole the whole spectrum. Uh, but I want you to keep this in mind. He was so we find him this week in chapter three. We find him in the in the desert. Okay, but keep this in mind. He was once the prince of Egypt. Think of, think of about that for a moment. Then when we read the verses, it, it's gonna like you're gonna see him as a shepherd. But he was he's. For the longest time, he was the prince of Egypt. Imagine of all the luxuries, imagine of all the people that would serve him, whatever he wanted, what they would give it to him. And now we see him in the desert, chapter 3. He has lost his home. He has lost his position. He's not a prince of Egypt anymore. He has lost his people. 
He has lost his power. He was being groomed to be the next Pharaoh. He has lost um, his reputation. Thankfully, there's one thing he hasn't lost, and that's his relationship, that's his God. But there's no doubt that he made a mess out of his life. And I wonder, and you don't have to raise your hands, but I wonder if there will be anybody here who would be humble enough to say, you know what, I can relate. I've made a, there's been times in my life when I've, I've made a mess. I've been a, I've made a fool of myself. And so today, we're not just talking about Moses, we're talking about ourselves. Because um, all of us, from time to time, we run away from God. All of us, from time to time, we make little messes out of our lives. And Moses, just like Moses, we take matters into our own hands, and we want control. I love control. And I, man, I'm telling you, every time that I, I, I try to get control when I should surrender it to God, things don't go the way that they should go. And so the title of our message today is Clean Up on Aisle 4. Clean Up on Aisle 4. Um, and I want to give you five truths, okay, that I want you to know, I want you to believe, and I want you to practice. Because the enemy will lie to you. The enemy will do the opposite, right? The enemy brings shame and guilt. And that's what it's happening with Moses. For 40 years, he's, he ran away, right? After, it's with media. He killed the Egyptian man. He finds out. Everybody knows now. And he takes off. And I thought it, maybe he ran a couple of miles, five miles, if he's in really good shape. He ran over 200 miles in search for a new identity. And so in the middle of all of this, I want you to think of this verse as we kind of set the town for the day. Jesus says, if you remain in me, if you remain in my truth, he says, my truth will set you free. My truth will, will like we are, sometimes we, we are prisoners to ourselves. And Jesus says, if you remain in me, if you release control, when you make messes in your life, if you surrender, if you believe in my truth, if you practice my truth, if you don't believe the lie of the enemy, but you remain in me, then you will be free. And so the enemy does the opposite. The enemy wants to bring shame and guilt. And for 40 years, Moses is in the desert living with that shame and that his past failure and all of that. So here's the first truth that I want to remind you of. And we'll get to our verses here in a minute, okay? But if you want to take notes, I think this is one of those messages. You can, you can just write a few notes and it'll help you remember a lot longer. First point is this. Shame is a liar. Shame is a liar. It's what the enemy does. The enemy will, you know, guilt and shame come from the enemy. You ever feel shameful about something? You ever feel guilty about something? I can pretty much guarantee you nine times out of ten, that's the enemy doing his little work. Now, there's a difference between shame and guilt. Okay, shame makes you feel small. It makes you feel insignificant. It makes you feel like you're not good enough. It's the way Moses felt for 40 years. Guilt is when I feel bad about what I have done. Shame is when I feel bad about who I am. You see the difference? And so Moses dealt with both. He felt guilty for what he had done, but he also had shame for who he was. And last week, what we said, what we learned last week, is that God was teaching Moses who he was by teaching him, do you remember? Whose he was. Okay, if you want to find out who you are, you got to figure out whose 
you are. And that's the first step. And for 40 years, God is, is working on Moses. And here's what you have to understand. God wants to free us from anything in life that enslaves us. It could be people. It could be a person that just, man, you just, everything in your life, it's like you feel like they're, you're just tied to this person. It could be your boss. It could be a career. It could be money that entangles you. It could be a number of things, material possessions. And you have to know that the heart of God is to, even when we talk about tithing and all of those things, like, the, like God doesn't want anything from you. God wants something for you. And so the whole idea of surrendering your finances to God is so that you can say, okay, God, this does not have a grip on me. Does that, does that make sense? I hope it does. God wants to release you. He wants to set you free. And what you have to do, I think, if, is you, you can't give up. You can't give up. And you have to know that God is bigger than whatever mess you've made. God is bigger than whatever fear you may have. God is bigger than any problem you may be facing, and he wants to use you. And so Moses killed this man in 40 years. He's feeling guilty. He's feeling shame, and God hasn't forgotten about him. And what I love, you know, one of the things that I love is, and I'm a little bit weird, and I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but like whenever we go on vacation, rather than sleeping in, what I like to do is I like to get up like earlier than I usually get up to go watch the sunrise if we're if we go to the mountains i love to go and get up early and watch the sunrise if we're at the beach like there's nothing to, for me that fills me up more than just watching a sunrise i've never never gotten up where i looked at the sunrise and i went ah eh, that was a waste of my time you know, like I've wasted my time a lot. Like, man, I've been, we've watched movies on Netflix, and it's like after a couple of hours, it's like, man, that was a waste. You know, I cannot, you know, you end the movie and it's like deflated, you know. I've, wait, I've, I've regretted a lot of things in life. I, I've, I've ordered some food before that I was like, man, that was bad. That was like, I regretted that. I bought some things that I didn't need, didn't use, and I regretted that. I've never gotten up early to watch the sunrise and said, man, that was a waste. Never. Because as the golden rays of the sun touch everything on its path, it reminds me of the power of a brand new day. The Bible says that God has fixed the sun on the sky. And with the rising of a new sun comes new mercies and new hope. So it's always too late to give up. It's, it's always too soon to, to quit. And God has... Like, God is in your tomorrow, and he has a brand new day coming for you, and that's what you have to, you, the power of a new day, when you wake up and you see a sunrise, it should remind you of the power of his new mercies in your life. You know, I, I learned this, I didn't know this, the word north actually means to the left off, Did you know that? Because for the longest time, the main event was towards the east, that's where, where does the sun rise, right? you know from the east there you go yeah so for the longest time people would would look to the east the east was the main event like we live in a very north oriented culture but really the word means to the left to the left not as important you know we we say things like man like um like we we refer to our country the united states as north america 
like sometimes like it's the only country in the Americas. Sometimes we, we say things like, what's your true north? You know, and, and, and I, I don't know if it's a, the way the compass has been made and you would know, north, you know, it's your true north. But for the longest time, the main event was pointing east towards the sun. And that's what I want to challenge you today. Not to point your feet towards the sun, S-U-N, but the sun, the one who died for you. And so Jesus Christ wants to give you some truth today. The first one that he wants to remind you of is that shame is a liar. And if you remain in his truth, it'll set you free. Here's the second truth. We're going to get to our verses, I promise you. Long intro. Second truth, write this down if you're taking notes. God, my God, is really, really good at cleaning up my mess. Like really, really, like he's really good at cleaning up my mess. I, I remember when, um, like the last miracle of Jesus before the cross um, I always used to think that it was the, the raising up of Lazarus, probably one of the most powerful miracles, remember? But what was the last miracle right before the cross, before he died for us? You remember it? Some people say, yeah, the, the raising of Lazarus. Nope, that wasn't the last miracle. Some people look at the, he healed a leper man towards the end. Like, was that it? Nope, that wasn't it. It was when he picked up an ear from the ground and attached it to a man's head. You remember the story? So there was the, the, the temple um, guards and the Roman soldiers, they had teamed up. They're being led by this character, Malchus. And Malchus is, is leading them to the place to, um, where Jesus was, the Garden of Gethsemane. And so they're all coming to get Jesus. And for the longest time, he's been free. He's been with them. He has taught, you know. And now they're coming, you know, with a, a little mob, a little crowd of people coming after Jesus. And Peter, remember Peter? Peter was his bold character. I love Peter. I love, I'd rather have a good Peter than, than somebody that just kind of sits behind, you know, and then just lets everybody do. I love Peter because like when Jesus says like, like it's me, he's on the water, right? And people are like, are you a ghost? And it's like, prove it to me. And it's like, okay, come up here. Peter's the only one that steps out of the boat, right? Everybody gives him a hard time because he begins to sink. But I love, I love that boldness. What does Peter do? He grabs his sword and goes after the guys. I think he's going after his head. But he misses, because he's not a swordsman. He's not a soldier. Peter's a fisherman. And he cuts the guy's ear. And remember what Jesus did? Picked it up and put it back on his head. What Jesus was doing is he was cleaning up a little mess. Because this was a time for Jesus to surrender. The soldiers didn't put Jesus on the cross. You know, the Jews didn't put, put Jesus on the cross. He, God the Father, had it in his will and purpose for his son to surrender and he was obedient to that and so our god our heavenly father the last miracle of jesus before the cross is cleaning up our mess so that's that's a truth that i think we need to understand and moses 40 years being reminded of this truth okay you you guys are ready i can see it all over your faces exodus chapter 3 verse 1 let's let's get into it god is really good at cleaning up your mess he can turn your mess into a miracle just like he did with peter so let's look at moses okay so now moses chapter 3 verse 1 was keeping the flock of his father-in-law jethro watch this don't don't miss the point here the priest of median and he led his flock to the west 
of the uh, um, west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of, of God. Now, Moses has been in exile for 40 years. He's in the desert, 40 years off the grid. He's 80 years old, okay? He, in his mind, he's thinking, I've ruined my life. He has given up. I mean, I think it's interesting. Moses is a shepherd of Jethro's flock for 40 years, and he doesn't even have his own flock yet. By now, you would think he would have his own flock to take care of. But he's given up. And you compare the, the Moses in Egypt versus the Moses in, 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 the, in the desert. And it's two different persons, right? You have the, the life. You have someone who's a prince of Egypt versus someone who's a shepherd. And the job of a shepherd is totally different, right? It's smelly. It's dirty. It's long hours. And that's where God has him. He's, God is, I believe, he's humbled him a little bit. Okay, he also he's training him. He's cleaning up his mess. He's restoring him, but he has not forgotten him. And I want you to know this is so practical. I don't think this can be more practical to us. Um, whatever you're going through in life, whatever struggles you're going through, whatever deserts you're going through, you need to know that it's preparation for the next stage of life. Moses is 80 years old, and God's not done with him. And I love that. I love that whether you're 80 years old or you're 80 years old, God, truth number three, God has always a plan for me at every stage of my life. Always. I don't care how old you are today in this room, online. God, you may be 80 years old, and God has a brand new plan, a brand new mission for you. And look at it in verse, in verse 2. Verse 2. And this is where God sends an angel with a new mission for Moses. Look at it. And the angel of the Lord... Verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. So what's the big deal about a burning bush? Nothing unless it's not burning. And then you know, like, okay, this is weird, right? So, like, there's nothing unique about a bush burning in the middle of the desert that's normal but it's if it's if it's on flames but it's not burning then you're like okay something's not being consumed it's like okay something's weird here and so verse three moses said i will turn aside to see this gray sight why the bush is not burnt verse four when the lord saw that he turned i love this when the lord saw moses when he saw him he turned aside to see that he turned aside to see God called him watch this God called him God called Moses out of the bush Moses Moses and he said here I am now I find it so so interesting that God calls him by his name almost as if God is saying it's been 40 years but I haven't forgotten it's been a while but I know your name I see where you're at. I haven't, and if I'm Moses, if you're Moses, right? Like, wow, my life had totally turned out very different than I would have ever planned it to be, right? He, he grew up an Egyptian, like a prince. I mean, like, like the, in his mind, he's not thinking, I'm going to become a shepherd one day, smelly job, you know, long hours, cleaning up, you know what, you know, I'm not going to, no, no, no. In his mind, he's thinking, I'm going to be the most powerful man on earth. And for 40 years, He's in the desert, and God's cleaning him up. God's um, detoxing him. He's training him. And the very first few words, first thing that God says to him is Moses. Twice. Moses. 
because I feel like the first time he's like, what? <laughs> this thing is talking to me? So he had to say it twice, and he uses his name. You know, we, last week we read this whole, this whole thing where Moses killed the Egyptian. And we, if we're not careful, sometimes when we study the Bible, we just kind of go through things. Like, we just keep going. But think of the regrets and the guilt that he faced. Just think, think about that Egyptian family, right? Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but this guy, this Egyptian who was killed by Moses, more than likely he had a wife. And so this sin or this action by Moses didn't just affect the man, right? He didn't just kill a man. You have here a wife who lost her husband. And in that day and age, women were not allowed to work, and you couldn't, you know, and so you, more than likely, this more than likely they had kids. And so you're not talking about just basically like this lady losing a loved one. You're talking about they lost their livelihood. I mean, like children lost their dad right like siblings he probably had siblings they lost their brother parents lost their kids so so it's much bigger than oh and moses killed the egyptian man and we move on and he ran to the desert right so this affected a number of people and there's always a ripple effect when you sin there is always a little bit of a ripple effect and here's the thing i love the fact that moses could have used his voice as a as a prince to stand up for the Hebrew people, but instead, he, ran, he runs like a coward, and yet God calls him by name. So truth number one, shame is a liar. And truth number two, God is good at cleaning up my mess. Truth number three, God has a plan for me at every stage of my life, regardless of whether you're in the desert or you're in a good place, whether you're eight or you're 80. Truth number four, listen to this, failure does not have to define your future. Failure does not have to define your future and so in verse 5 you're going to see the man who killed another man the man who murdered somebody being called by god into a into holy ground to step into holy ground moses he's 80 years old and and with all the baggage that he's bringing to the equation god is calling him to step into a place that god calls holy i think this is the point where god calls him this is why moses this is destiny this is this is what his life is all about this is moses this is why you were born and so your past your failures do not define your future look in verse five then he said god said to moses do not come near take your sandals off your feet for the place in which you are standing is holy ground i, I cannot imagine what moses must have been thinking in that at this moment and he said, God said, watch this, don't miss it. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now you look at those three names, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You take those three names, and we, we, we think of those people as people, like we, we, we give them great respect, you know. Uh, in our faith in the past, they've been like, like patriarch patriarchs of our faith they're being like john you know abraham isaac jacob these are mighty men but when you look a little bit closer into their lives all of them all three of them made messes out of their lives all three of them abraham man a great guy godly man but he had some serious lapses on his faith 
right? Remember the time when Abraham, like he literally surrendered his wife, put her in, 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 arms, in harm's way so that he would be protected. Now probably one of his greatest failures is when Abraham literally, like he had sex with his wife's servant so that she could give him a child. And God is saying, I am the God of Abraham. You look at Isaac. Well, Isaac wasn't a saint either. Isaac, he, um, I mean, he's Abraham's son, but he was biased, and he didn't really listen to God. And God told him specifically what to do. And Isaac, as a father, he favored Esau over Jacob. And you, you, you should look into that story. But that whole thing created so much unfairness in the family, and it split up the family. So he had his own little messes, okay? And I can go in, in more detail. Jacob, man, he was, his mistakes were legendary. He was, uh, his weakness was a, a moral one. He was a deceiver. He was a manipulator from the day he was born. And God looks at Moses. He calls him by name, and then he says, let me tell you who I am. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. Almost as if God is saying, and I am also the God of Moses. I am the God of people who are messed up. I am the God of people who failed. I'm the God of people who need second chances. I'm the God of ordinary men and women who've done extraordinary things for me because of who I am, not because of who they are. And so the truth, number one, shame is a liar. Shame is a liar. Two, God is good at cleaning up my mess. He's really good. Three, God has a plan for all of us at every stage of your life. I don't care how old you are. You may be a teenager and you think like, man, I'm not, I'm not enough. No, don't tell yourself that. That comes from the enemy. Straight from hell. You are enough because of who you are in Christ. Number four, failure does not have to define you. And number five, and I'll close with this. And I'm going to ask the worship team to get in place. We're going to wrap it up. Number five, and watch. This is probably the most important point of all of them. God often wants me to leave my comfort zone. I want you to hear me, okay? The Christian life is not always the easiest of lives. A lot, a lot of times preachers communi- and there's a lot of blessings, don't get me wrong, okay? If you're going to go one way or the other, I would say, man, from my personal experience, like choose life, choose Jesus, okay? It's way better, but it's not necessarily always easy, the easier life. And God will often, here's a truth that I want you to believe, that I want you to remember, that I want you to practice. God will often ask you to do things that you don't like. He will often ask you to leave your comfort zone. Verse 6, it's not on the screen. I don't think it's on the screen, and that's fine. Just look in your Bibles. God says, I'm the, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, we got it, man. You guys are on top of it. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Next, next slide. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. He was terrified. Now, let me tell you the story, okay, just real quick. You go home and read it on your own. We don't have time to get into it. The whole chapter, it's Moses kind of having a conversation, debating, protesting. I don't know what the word you want, that you want to use, but, like, he's having this, he's wrestling with God. First, he says, who am I? Like, I'm not worthy, of being used by, by me because God says in the next verse he says he says you're going to you're, I'm going to send you I've seen the, the cries of my people and I've chosen you and I'm going to send you to free them and Moses is immediately thinking about himself right because that's what we do as human beings and the very first question is who am I in other words I'm not worthy to be used by you and then the whole chapter it's one excuse after the next 
mean, you read the whole thing. Like, let me just kind of give you a, a couple of, of examples of what I'm talking about. Uh, in verse um, seven, God says, God says, um, I've seen the affliction of my people. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. I'm going to deliver them and to, uh, to you. And to, they're gonna, you're going to be able to go. And, and Moses, the, the excuse that he uses is, I can't speak. I, I'm, not, I'm not really good at, at public speaking, right? Now, I can relate because, man, for the longest time, man, like public speaking was a really hard thing for me. Like really, really, really hard. And I'm not the only one, right? Like how many of you, would you be, if you're honest enough, how many of you raise your hand and you would say, like if Pastor Alex calls me up here to, to give my story or whatever, like that would freak me out. Like public speaking, how many of you would say like, yep, 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 yep. Now, keep your hands up for, for a minute, a minute. Okay, I want, when you got, you come up here and then over there, come up here. And you're like, I'm not coming up there, right? <laughs> you kidding me? You know, the, uh, the National Institute of Mental Health says that public speaking anxiety affects 73% of the population. 73%. And um, Moses had this fear of public speaking. He's like, God, I don't want you to use me. Are you? I mean, obviously he was dealing with shame and guilt and his insecurities. Um, but he's debating for a whole chapter. Who am I? Who are you? What if they ask me and you don't believe? Um, and he's coming up with one excuse after the next. And instead of jumping at the opportunity like many of us would, he turns into a human excuse machine. And here's what you have to know in life. And whether you're a believer or not, I think this will add value to your life. You can make excuses or you can make progress but you cannot do both I heard a, a funny story hopefully it'll illustrate the point I'm trying to make older man um, couldn't hear and his family's after him like you need to go to the doctor have your ears checked out you know get hearing aid and he's like no I don't need it for, for months they were after him and he's like nope 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 and he did, until he finally decides to go he goes to the doctor. He doesn't tell anybody. He doesn't tell his family. He goes to the doctor, and um, sure enough, man, they checked his ears. He needs some hearing aids. They get him, and he's blown away. Man, I can hear so clearly. I can hear a mile away. You know, like, this is amazing. Two weeks later, he's meeting with his friend. Um, uh, uh, the old man is meeting with the friend and tells him, I got some new hearing aids, and they're virtually invisible. They go in your inner, inner, inner ear, and you cannot see them. I mean, they're incredible. And his friend says, man, your family must be ecstatic. They must be, like, thrilled that you can, that you can hear them now. And he goes, he goes I, haven't, I haven't said anything to them yet. <laughs> like, they don't know that I've gotten them. He says, I've changed my will twice. <laughs> Sometimes I think we're a little bit like that man. We're hard of hearing. God, the whole chapter... And it's just like one thing after the next. He says, let me see if I can see it. Verse 8, it's not on the screen, but it's okay. Um, he says, God says, I, I am going to deliver them. Verse 12, I will be with you. Uh, verse 19, uh, Pharaoh won't let you go unless he's compelled by my mighty hand. You go into chapter 4, and like that's not working. He's still coming up with excuses. And, and he, God says, what's in your hands? He's got a staff. He says, surrender it. Surrenders it. It turns it into a snake. And it's like, whoa. And then he picks it back up. He, 
God says, pick it back up. He picks it back up, and he transforms a dead thing into a living thing and back into a dead thing. So he's seen, like he's seen the burning bush that's not burning, right? He's seen the hand of God. He's seen the miracles, and he's still wrestling. Put your hand in your garment, in your inner garment. He puts it in. It turns white. We think it's leprosy. Takes it out. It's healthy. And then, after all of that, you fast forward into Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, I think. Let's put it on the screen. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. I'm not eloquent. I told, I went for a run last Sunday. And I, early in the morning, go for a three-mile run, come home. And I come into, like, our room, and I said, I said out loud. I don't know if I was saying it to my wife. I don't know if I said it to myself. But I said, I said, man, I just wish I was more eloquent. That's what I said. And then I said, no, that's a lie from the devil. It's a lie from the devil. I'm not, elo- I'm not eloquent. Either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. It's not, I'm not good enough. Who am I? I'm not good. I'm not good. I'm not good. It's after God has shown him his power. Here's what I want you to know. God picks the most unlikely candidates to, most, to do the most unlikely things but he will often do it by asking you to do something that you don't feel ready for by asking you to do something that you don't feel confident that you don't feel comfortable or whatever word you want to use Jonah essentially who was a racist God says go to Nineveh Gideon man was afraid of his own shadow God shows up says you're a mighty warrior God doesn't see you for what you are. He sees you for what you can be. I'll close with this. 1 Corinthians 1.27. Let's put it on the screen. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Next. Next slide. God chose what is weak. Do you feel weak? Do you feel like, man, I'm just not, I don't know. God, can you use me? God, can you use someone like me? Have you ever asked that question? Like, Lord, Lord, I know my messes. Like, I know my mistakes. Can you use somebody like me, Lord? I don't have the talent. I don't have the knowledge that I wish I had, Bible knowledge. I don't know if I can counsel people. I'm not eloquent. I don't know if I can say a prayer. How are you going to use me, God? I have all of this, my past, my divorce, and you name it, right? My habits, my, the stuff that I have, the junk that I Can you use me, God? God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. The question is, will you? Will you? Will you say... God, I'm here. Send me. Use me. Or will you say, God, there they are. Send them. Use them. Because that's what we often do, right? That was a great message, Pastor Alex. So and so, I'm going to tell him to hear it. <laughs> like, ah, oh, okay, great. You know, I want you to share the message, but for other reasons, you know, not so that you deflect, you know. God's speaking to you today. What's he telling you? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't know what God's saying. I'm going to mention a couple of things. Uh, baptism, it's coming up September 26th. Maybe, maybe you've been a Christian or in church, but it's never really been like your own decision. And God's calling you into the waters. And you need to t- take a step of faith. Um, is it comfortable? Probably not, and I get it. Uh, maybe it's life groups. Man, I don't have the time. No, you don't have the time not to do life with other people because life groups, it's like, 
It's like preventative medicine. It's gonna, it's, when you have people around you to put their arms next to you, like life may be great right now and you may not need anybody, but the day will come when you will need prayers and you will need encouragement. And so take care of that ahead of time. Man, I'm not a people person. I don't, well, God's asking you to do something that's maybe a little bit uncomfortable. Those invite cards in those chairs, they're not there so that they bother you so you have to move something when you sit on those chairs. They're there so you can use them. Use them. Pass them out. You never know how God's going to use it. Oh, I'm not. This is not for me. I'm like scared to death to invite somebody to church. Well, that's exactly what God does. He calls us to do things that feel uncomfortable. Father God, thank you for the great reminder, Lord. Thank you that shame is a liar. Didn't help Moses. It's not going to help us. God, we pray that, and we thank you, I guess, is that you are good at cleaning up our mess, Lord. Thank you that you have a plan for us at every stage of the game. Every stage, Lord. It's never too late. Father, thank you that you can use me with all of our, my failures, with all of my messes. They don't define who I am. They don't define my future. God, I pray that we would say yes whenever you call us into the unknown. God, I don't know if it's, if it's uh, money that we need to donate to the church. I don't know if it's a step of faith in talking to somebody about the Lord. God, I don't know. I don't want to play Holy Spirit. But I pray that, that we would be bold enough and confident enough in you to know that you will provide if we say yes. It's our availability that you're after, not our abilities. And so we surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.